Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your presence in this place today. Your sweet, sweet presence we feel, mighty God. We love you and we worship you today. We submit our service to you today. We submit our attention to you today, mighty God. For I hear you say, back to square one. Back to square one, again and again. I seem to find myself going back to square one. But I invite you to come again and again and again when you feel defeated, when you feel useless and hopeless. Bring your square back to my presence and I will meet you there. Oh, I will bring my presence to you and I will make changes in you, changes in your situations that you can never make on your own. Even when you keep going back to square one over and over and over again, says the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. If I can just go with my heart for a few minutes this morning. Surely the presence. In the book of Numbers, this is my message this morning. In the book of Numbers, chapter 20, I believe it is. In, in the previous chapter, the people had come, the, the children of Israel had come to Moses complaining again and again we don't have food, we don't have figs, we don't have pomegranates, and we're thirsty. We don't have water in this evil wilderness place that you brought us to. What are you doing? Are you gonna let us die here with no water? And what did Moses and Aaron do? The scripture says they left the assembly of the people and they went to the tabernacle and they prostrated themselves on the floor before God. And they said, oh God, the people are crying out for thirst. They're crying out for these things. And the scripture says that the presence of the Lord filled that place and met them there. And he told Moses, speak to the rock. Remember back in Exodus when God told Moses to pick up your rod and use the same rod you struck the Nile with and the waters cleared. Strike the rock. This is back in Exodus. We were, I was talking in numbers. So two times Moses went before God for begging for water for the people. And God said, strike the, rod, the rock with the rod. And what happened? Water gushed out of the rock and it met all the needs of the people. Well, in the, in the story in Numbers 20, God did not say strike the rod or the rock, excuse me. He said, pick up the rod in the face of the company gather the people all together in one place 
and pick up your rod and speak to the rock. He said, use your voice and speak to that rock and I will cause, I will cause water to gush forth out of that rock. But this time Moses disobeyed the word of the Lord and he gathered the people together and he said, do we, meaning he and, and his brother Aaron, do we have to once again bring water to you? Do we have to do this again out of the rock? Oh, he usurped the glory and the miraculous power of God Almighty and put himself in the place of God as the provider for the people. So instead of speaking to the rock, Moses took his rod and not only did he strike it once, he struck it twice. And God in his mercy and his love and his concern for the people brought forth water out of the rock, even in Moses' disobedience. And in Moses' usurping of the glory of God, God still honored the people's cry for water. And he gave them enough water for them and their beasts to have plenty of water to drink. But let me tell you, that disobedience, Moses prostrated himself on the floor before God and God came with his presence and met him there. But Moses' heart, God said, was full of unbelief because he did not listen and obey to the word of God. Instead, he went his own way and he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And it cost him dearly, didn't it? You know the story God said, because of your heart of unbelief, Moses, you will not see this people through to the promised land. God took him to a place on the top of the mountain and he showed him from the coast all the way to the other side of the promised land, what it looked like, how beautiful it was, how the valleys were lush and green and the mountains were full of forest and trees. And he said, Moses, you're gonna see it with your eyes, but your feet won't go there and you won't lead the people through. And not only that, he said, Moses, you take your brother, Aaron, whom you ordained at my word and you strip him of his priestly garments and you put him on his son, Eleazar, and he will be the high priest to me. So Moses had to disrobe his own brother the high priest, and put those robes onto Aaron's son. A high price for both of them. And God said, you will pay for it with your life. And he took Aaron's life very soon after that. But he allowed Moses to go on many years after this and still be his servant. And I read 
four or five different scriptures where it said Moses, the servant of God. And if you read about Moses in the New Testament, it refers to him as the servant of God. But God kept his word and his promise. Even though Moses had prostrated himself on the floor, he came with unbelief in his heart. And it cost him going into the promised land. There are those writers who say that the rock represents Jesus Christ at the cross. I don't know about that. God didn't give me any direction about that in particular. And it also said that the promised land represents heaven. I don't know about that either because Moses was one of two, if you remember, Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus when he was taken back to heaven, who was standing there with Jesus but Moses and Elijah. And the Bible says that Moses will come again on the second coming of Christ. So I'm not sure that he missed heaven. I don't know that uh, that, that is a... Uh, trustworthy thought of other people, but I do know this, when we come to God, even when our posture is right, even when the words we say, would you get me some water it ran up there please, when the words we say are right, if our heart is full of unbelief, it will cost us, thank you, it will cost us what God's best plan for us was. It may not be that we miss heaven. God forbid that any of us miss heaven. But we want his perfect will, his perfect plan. And the message that God gave me a while ago, gave us a while ago about square one. I woke up early this morning with square one in my mind, and I had no idea what that was about. But I fought a battle, and maybe you have too, where the same things trip you up in your walk with God, and it feels like you have to go back to square one again and again. I know there are things in my life the Lord has been dealing with me about even if I do mess up and I have to go back and my attitude is wrong and I said something I shouldn't have said or not even said it, but I felt it and I thought it in my mind. God, this is not showing your love and this is not letting you flow through me. Take it out. Because when I prostrate myself before the Lord, I don't want there to be anything standing between me and him. I don't want it to be unbelief. I don't want it to be any sin. We're so good at covering our sins up, aren't we? We make them look good because our posture was right. Moses' posture was right, but he had unbelief in his heart, and God checked him on it. God called him on it, and he said, you're going to pay a high price for this disobedience. So if you feel like you're going back to square one over and over on some things, you know what comes to my mind? Jim and I were married 46 years, and we never had an argument. 
do. We had arguments over the same two or three things a thousand times, and most of the time it was dumb, meaningless things, right? If all of you are shaking your head, you recognize that thought and that feeling. If you've been married a year, you know that's true. There are those certain things that can hang us up in a relationship with the Lord as well. And I pray this morning, this was my closing prayer, oh God, reveal, because that's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict and to bring to our mind what things would stand between the presence of the Lord leading us through to his perfect plan for our lives and doing it our own way. Because when we do it our own way, square one is going to come back again and again, isn't it? Well, I hope that was a blessing to you because that's what the Lord gave me. I probably have three pages that I didn't cover, but that's okay. I do want to cover something else with you. I'm going to do that right now. There. Take it back to the Lord. He invited us to bring it again and again until we finally leave it there with him. I want to explain something this morning. As you know, I like to find opportunities for giving to missions or to, um, to a cause once or twice a year in addition to what we do with Brother Skip Kincaid in our support of his work in Mexico. I'm so thankful and so proud to be connected to such a beautiful, clean work. There's no worry about what the money we give goes for because there's 300 some churches that we can see proof of that we participated in building. And I've been researching and praying and asking the Lord to lead me to a cause that he feels would be worthy of our support and our attention. And I, I believe the Lord did that this last week and I approached the board with it. And everyone agreed that this was a worthwhile and worthy cause that the church could get behind and I wanted to present it to you this way as, as a way of explanation and a way of marking it on your calendar for July 31st. We'll have a mission service on July 31st and we'll be taking an offering for this ministry. This man's name is Gene Whitehead and he is my late husband Jim's nephew. He's worked with a global education ministry, the acronym is GEM, J-E-M, G-E-M, excuse me, G-E-M, Global Education Missions, I think it is. And he and his wife, Inga, have been in this ministry for quite a few years, serving in countries that won't permit a traditional missionary to go in and set up a church and call people to worship God and you know try and change their lives through traditional means. But the countries that they go to do permit either entrepreneurial opportunities for the locals being brought in by these uh, missionaries or educational opportunities. 
that are provided to the locals. And this is what they can do. So he served in Belarus through a coffee shop that he built and ran and uh, held Bible studies in. People loved coming to his coffee shop. Number one, he, was, he worked for Starbucks for probably 15 years as a manager in Starbucks, and he knows everything there is to know about coffee. So this was a perfect segue in the country of Belarus, next door to Russia, being knocked on the door by Russia on a constant basis, and they worked there and served there in that capacity for several years until the political climate was such that they had to leave. Then they were selected to serve in the country of Sweden. We know Sweden to be very, very um, progressive and, uh, you know, uh, educated and just, you know, certainly not a third world type of country is what I'm trying to say. But they are a very godless country, as Jean described it. And they served there for a couple of years until the pandemic hit and they were forced to leave. So they went back to her parents' home in Kansas. Each of their daughters had a baby. One of them was a very uh, treacherous, treacherous birth and praise the Lord, things are going very well now and they're, they are able to leave her and she is fine and the baby's fine, praise the Lord for that. So they've gotten their visas renewed and they're ready to go back to Sweden to resume their work there. But because of the pandemic, their funding has fallen very short of being enough to sustain them in a very high cost country. And I got his newsletter early this week and the Lord definitely impressed me. You need to help him. And so that's when I brought it to the church, to the board, and I asked their, their guidance and their uh, approval of whether they thought this was worthwhile. And as I said, everybody did. And I'm going to let Gene tell you more about this on the 31st of July. He won't be here in person because of the cost, but he is going to send a pre-recorded video, and we will be watching that, that he will tell us about his work and how it works and who he is. I know him to be well-trained in the word. I know him to be a man of prayer. And they love the Lord and their family. I really appreciate the fact that the Lord made it possible for them to be here when both their daughters just happened to be having children. And as I said, the one was in very serious situation. But praise the Lord, he did bring them through that. So if you would be prepared to bring an offering on that Sunday... The church has also agreed we will meet that offering, we'll match that offering, whatever comes in, and it will be a one-time gift for this ministry to help them get back on their feet in the country. So I hope that is okay. I realize that we don't normally present relatives as uh, mission causes, but I felt like the Lord led this and directed this at this particular time because I even, a friend of mine 
gave me a catalog of charities that the San Jose Westgate Church gives to, and there's probably 25 charities in this book, and I read every single one of them. I looked a bunch of them up that, that looked interesting, but I didn't have a, uh, a, um, a sign or a, a witness from the Holy Spirit that this would be a cause that we should, that we should support. And yet, when I got this, this uh, emailed um, newsletter early this last week, I knew this was the one the Lord had chosen for this particular time. So I appreciate your indulgence, even though he is a, uh, a relative of ours. He's a good guy, and he does love the Lord. So I thank you for your tolerance of that, and I know you'll enjoy his message on the 31st. So that's really all I had. Um, does anybody have a square one they want to share? Some of them are very personal, aren't they? I know, very personal. But I believe the Lord knows our heart. And I believe when we become prostrate on the floor before him, he knows what's really in there. He knows what the motivation is, and if we get up and walk in disobedience, it didn't help to prostrate ourselves before him, did it? That's the message this morning. Don, you can come. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can't try to connect coffee, as Mom mentioned, Jean, Jean being a barista, my cousin Jean, and her message <coughs> about square one. I spilled coffee all over the kitchen this morning when I, I was making uh, some espresso and I, I reached to the machine. I tried to pull it out while my coffee was still sitting there on the tray. And I had grabbed it by the removable tray and was pulling the whole machine with that tray thinking, I don't need to pull that hard, it'll work. And that coffee went all over me and all over my clothes and all over the floor and all over the cabinets and all over the refrigerator under the coffee maker. And, uh, and the, house the house was clean this week. <clears throat> but I was, and I wasn't thrilled about it, had to change, and, do, and I had to do a load of laundry because I had, you know, I just was wearing two things, and they were dirty, but I didn't want to just waste a load on those two things, so I washed a load of laundry, and I went and got several towels, and I cleaned the whole counter, and under the coffee maker, I had to open the fridge, and I had to clean and the glass of the fridge and down in the little ridge at the bottom of the glass where it pulled up and then I had to go under the toe kick and then under there there were splashes and also lots of other stuff under there that I got to clean up and uh, in between the cabinet cracks you know it gets on the top and on the uh, underneath the um, edge of the counter it drips under there and just kind of sits there and <clears throat> I noticed some nearby cabinets had little splatters on them so I, I had two beach towels that I was using and some rags and <clears throat> but I, I was sitting in the driveway afterwards uh, before, as we were ready to go thinking about a square one kind of thought or event, the futility of doing something willful against God or that you know God doesn't appreciate, that you know better than to do, and thinking, well, what is the point of coming back and saying I'm sorry or, you know, I mean, how do you approach, how do I approach you if I say, uh, you know, I know, you know, like, and uh, he made me think of that coffee and how it was kind of clean before 
it had just been cleaned by the cleaners, but I saw a lot of stuff. When I went, when I spilled and made that mess, a lot more had to get cleaned up than just the coffee. There was the laundry that got clean. There was, you know, things that were there that were also ugly and messy that the cleaners missed. But having to go back and get in, in the nitty gritty and really clean deep, cleaned up a lot of other stuff that needed to be cleaned. And so, my what he what, I think in light of her her message, what he told me was there's ways of using these square one moments to go deeper and go further and get more than you might have thought you might have thought you were in a good place to begin with. But going back and dealing with these things again one more time, there's more he can do. There's more work to be done. There's more deep, more depths of cleansing or understanding or rectifying that he can do using what feels like one more round or, you know, one square one back to the beginning, a, a, a roundabout kind of, you know, repetitive thing. So um, that would be for today, uh, my square one uh, moment. And um, about Gene, when his uh, stepfather passed away not too long ago and he was with his daughters uh, who were, or one of the daughters I think was due the day of the funeral of his stepfather and uh, for some reason my cousin, his sister asked me to do the service for uh, for my step-uncle and I would much prefer, they had asked mom, um, but I said okay, and uh, but during that, you know, and I did the best I could under the circumstances. Uh, hadn't seen him in a long time, and hadn't seen the family in a long time. Um, but Gene had recorded a video, and he's he. It was his stepfather, you know, it was his family, his immediate family, and he was able to say things that I didn't feel comfortable saying about his stepfather's salvation in, in the very personal contact or a conversation he had had with him about his salvation as they knew he was dying. And it was very direct, very uh, convicting, I think, for everyone there, which was, you know, not everybody is in the position to share that kind of message, but he did. And he did it even remotely, you know, through a video he recorded. Very, very good. I felt incomplete in what I had said and what I had presented because I wasn't comfortable going so far and I felt really good after his video because he was the one to do it and he did it over a cell phone recording so a good man and uh, I've also thought Sweden what I mean this is like you know these are fairly well-to-do people who just decided they don't need a god and and that's their their willfulness and you know well Certainly, there are other places that need missions more than them. Uh, that's uh, certainly not my place to say. We, we traditionally think of missions as places that are, um, you know, not just uh, missing God, but, you know, having so little as far as food and, and water and other types of necessities of life. But missions should extend anywhere people do not know Jesus as their personal Savior. That is the whole purpose of missions. The services that go along with it are, uh, are good, uh, certainly, and a, a way to reach them, you know, to say, not only am I here with the message of Christ, but I intend to help you as well. Well, how much harder is it when the people don't believe they need any help at all, and, and all you've got for them 
is a message of salvation, which of course is the whole point, the whole purpose, and more than enough, but it can be hard to reach people who don't think they need you or the message you bring. So it is a certainly a worthy, uh, a worthy cause. And we each have unsaved loved ones that, that need to know you, that need to give their hearts to you because time is short. And we see and we know that time is short. And even in, Lord God, the, the, the days and the weeks and the months and the years that you tarry, we do not know what tomorrow holds for each, each of us, Lord God. And we need to embrace you more and more each and every day. We ask your blessing over this church. We ask your blessing and strength over our pastor, Sister Debbie Haynes. And we pray that you continue to bless her with anointed words from you, Lord God, that we all benefit from and grow from, Lord God. Thank you for reminding us, Jesus, that in our square one moments, you are there working in new ways. We give you all praise, honor, and glory in the name of Jesus today. Amen.